I'm Dr. Sterling. I'm a board certified OBGYN and mom. Welcome to the Becoming Moms podcast, where I give you the step-by-step to optimizing your physical and emotional wellness in pregnancy so you can create a nourishing environment for your baby, your family, and yourself. The information shared in this podcast is intended for general education purposes only and is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or another qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you heard in this podcast. All right, lovelies, let's dive in to this week's episode. In this week's episode, I am so excited to introduce you to Jen McLellan, the founder of Plus Size Birth and Plus Size Mommy. Y'all, she is a certified birth educator and just an incredible wealth of knowledge for people who exist in larger bodies and for healthcare providers such as myself, as we learn to question the fat phobia that is so rampant in our culture so that we can provide the best care for people of all sizes. I learned so, so much from this discussion I had with Jen on Instagram that I just had to bring it onto the podcast. So without further ado, here is my discussion with Jen about empowered plus size pregnancy don't know you will you tell people what you what you do and what your mission is sure well hi everyone my name is Jen McClellan and I am a certified childbirth educator and for over a decade now I've been advocating for plus size people during pregnancy birth and postpartum and that's with my work with plus size birth and I'm also the host of the plus mommy podcast so I'm really passionate about raising awareness about, you know, how it really feels and what it's like to be plus size and pregnant and working with the medical community to create change and raise awareness. And just a lot more compassion is really what we need to be happening here. I don't think it's that much to ask, really. (laughs) No, I don't think so either. And, um, you know, I'm really, I, the, really the change has to come from, the the medical field right like it it, that's where the responsibility is i think i really i want to also talk about some things that individual people can do because unfortunately i don't there's people right now currently pregnant and they don't have the luxury of waiting for the medical community get their shit together, right? Like they have to like de- navigate a broken system right now. So I want to talk about that, but I also I, I really am interested in, um, you know, your message to the medical community as well. So why don't we start with your message to pregnant people who are in larger bodies or who are in plus size? What is it that you want them to know? I want you to know that you, your body is just as incredible as anyone of any size during pregnancy. And while there are some increased risks during a plus size pregnancy, they aren't as astronomical as when you go on to Google real quick and you're like, oh my gosh, yeah. the odds of having a healthy outcome are actually in your favor if you go into pregnancy without any increased risk, like having high blood pressure or having um, diabetes or being pre-diabetic. And we know that these are all things that people of all sizes face. There is not one thing that you will only incur because you exist in a larger body. 100%. And I think that that's so, what I think is so important, you know, I am not a huge fan of the term high risk pregnancy. um, Because I think that 
it, when you hear that you have a high risk pregnancy, it sounds like, oh my gosh, something bad is going to happen. It's like these like red signal alert, oh my gosh, high risk pregnancy. And that's just not the reality. Even, even for people who have, who have a number of risk factors, um, it doesn't mean that something bad is going to happen, right? And I think that that, that extra alert, um, well, while on the side of the, pro the side of the provider might be beneficial for them to be on higher alert, the individual feeling like waiting for the shoe to drop, right, is, is probably not beneficial to the health of their pregnancy. So I like to think about it is, you know, when you have risk factors, you may warrant additional monitoring. And it's just like, hey, we're just going to watch you a little bit closer. It's not like we're just waiting for <laughs> disaster to right. strike, right? And there are a few additional tests, but I, I don't believe that people of size should be automatically classified as high risk. And in fact, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists doesn't state within their committee opinion on obesity, and I hate the O word, but we use it in some medical language, like they don't state that people with a high BMI should be automatically classified as high risk. So I think that's a conversation we need to be having more often because when we classify someone as high risk, it not only you know has what we, you talked about, like the emotional component, but it can have a financial barrier, additional visits, um, childcare, transportation. So if we are doing all this extra things for people that isn't necessarily needed, it creates yeah. so many barriers for the individual. Now, do we want to test people twice for gestational diabetes? That is recommended by ACOG, and I encourage people to do that. Do you maybe want to do an extra ultrasound or a couple near the end if you have concerns about fetal macrosomia, which is like a larger baby? Of course, but, but if you have any concerns for anyone, you might order some extra testing. So I really believe it's important that we're providing individualized health care. And yeah. then if there are any concerns, of course, People of any sizes can any size can become high risk, but we shouldn't be labeling people as high risk based only upon their BMI when we know statistically that the odds are in their favor of having a low risk pregnancy. And just one more point here, when we label someone as high risk, we can also limit their options of access to things like the midwifery model of care, um, water birth, birth centers, and even potentially home birth. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I think that's a good um and I, I think that's a really, those are some really good points. And I also, I, I want to point out that, you know, um, how people are labeled high risk is, is just not, even if ACOG has, you know, has recommendations for it, doesn't mean that it's, it's applied in a standard fashion across the board, across of course, all offices. Care providers set their own guidelines and safeguards. 100%. And that's yeah. why people need to ask when they're trying to find a care provider. And I always encourage people who are plus size to connect with a size-friendly care provider whenever possible, but ask, you know, what additional tests or safeguards or guidelines are you going to ask of me? And then you get to decide because there are plenty of people that want as many ultrasounds as they can get all the yes. testing. And I a hundred percent support that. Yeah. And I think that that's really, that's where we were talking about um, almost like art of medicine, right? Where if, if, if I have a patient who is going to feel better because they're having additional testing done, well, that actually makes those, that testing more beneficial to their health because they feel like, okay, I'm being cared for. I can relax more. That is, but if I have somebody who's like that additional testing really stresses me out, okay, that is, 
we need to be taking that into consideration because, you know, our emotional health in pregnancy, I mean, your emotional health throughout your life matters, right? <laughs> it matters yeah. for your physical, it matters for your health outcomes, but of course it matters in pregnancy too. So I think that's a really beautiful point. And that's, that's why shared decision-making oh, with yeah. your provider is so vital. And the problem is, is it takes time. Mm -hmm. Share decision making is not some, and that's why I think that we aren't doing and like a lot of times share decision making isn't happening because it's a conversation with nuance and yes. because our appointments are so short. I the, know. The, yes, and yeah. informed consent isn't happening either, which is incredibly frustrating. So you know, for people who are like, "Well, what's informed consent?" Like you having a full and yeah. complete understanding of what is being recommended for testings or procedures or in risk you, benefits alternatives yes, yes, going yes. Through all of that and you feeling comfortable and so often i feel like as patients we're just told what we have to do and we don't understand yep. that we have rights and the options to say no and just letting someone know what their options are i think helps to alleviate the anxiety and be like oh okay now i understand why you're making this recommendation and you're not just telling me what i need to do and, and yeah. that's, we talked, um, Dr. Sterling offline about like, um, you know, compassionate transparency. Yes, there are some concerns you're going to have if I walk into your office pregnant. Absolutely. But the thing is, I pretty much already know that as a plus size person, right? So I feel like we have this like, poor choice. Where's the like elephant in the room that no one wants to offend anyone, yeah. but yeah. some care providers do. But it's like this delicate dance that we're trying to do. But we both want healthy outcomes for one another. So how do we work together? And I think it really comes down to how do we talk to people with kindness? How do we meet people where it's we're It's so at? basic, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. Studies to show that about 50%, there was a study of 50% of physicians found um, people of size as ugly, unattractive, non-compliant. Yeah. It's horrifying. And so I just want care providers to know that that is what people of size are walking into and they're also walking in very often with cumulative trauma right so they've been totally. changed by care providers in the past so it takes even longer to build that trust and that relationship yes. to be able to have really important conversations that can absolutely be delicate yeah and i would say it's you know because of that cumulative trauma and because so many, you know, if you are a care provider who, who wants to do the right thing, which I, I hope all care providers do, it's not just, oh, I need to treat people in larger bodies or fat people the same as everyone else. It's like, no, you have an individual who statistically ha is very likely to have had a negative experience with a care provider in the past. And mm -hmm. so you really have to go above and beyond to make that person feel safe because that safety and, you know, th that is so key to a therapeutic relationship. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier finding a care provider who is, you know, I can't remember the term you use. Size friendly. Size friendly. Talk yeah. to me about that. How does how does somebody do that? Yeah. Well, for so for any um, professionals listening too, I define that as a care provider who practices evidence based compassionate care. So again, we're not asking for that much. We're asking for that compassionate piece to be added into the evidence 
based medicine practices that you are already following. Um, but so often I hear from people that their care provider told them they will develop gestational diabetes. They must have a cesarean birth because of their size. And those things are not evidence-based and they're, they're really rooted in fat phobia. So I think yeah. it's really important that care providers work on their own biases on many fronts, right? That is so, so important <laughs> yeah. because it's not just a blanket statement of people's size. There's many people of size that are also black or in the LGBTQ community. And so we have many marginalizations where people, you know, statistically, it, it, they can be faced with a lot more outcomes that are just heart-wrenching. Um, but for, for people who are interested in finding a size-friendly care provider, I think it's really important that we're, you know, it's kind of like a looking for a partner online and dating and like doing your research is like asking your friends like oh you know especially your plus size friends do you have a care provider you recommend yeah googling doing that research reading reviews um asking questions and I actually have a free guide on my website plussizebirth.com that has all the questions you can ask and different tips for finding a size-friendly care provider. Awesome. You know, making phone calls, asking those questions. Do you have a larger blood, blood pressure cuff? Do you have larger gowns? Um, do I have options around being weighed? Um, do you have any BMI restrictions? That's so important because some people that maybe want a birth center birth, many birth centers have BMI restrictions. And it breaks my heart when people show up for their first visit and then find out, oh, you can't. Oh, that's here. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's, that's, a, that's trauma, right? That can't be avoided. Cause that yeah. is like, I mean, yeah, I think, um, you know, what you really, you, you see this range in, in how people and how physicians approach the subject of people in larger bodies in, in pregnancy and outside of pregnancy. And unfortunately, um, and I have, I've also seen this a lot in your community from comments on your posts and everything. And it's like, oh yeah, this is like, this is a thing where providers will just not say anything at all. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, something, you know, like they say something out of, you know, offhand or somebody sees it in their chart. And then the patient is like, oh, like, you know, you think that you're safe. And then it's this this removal of, you know, of safety. So I think it's really, you know, finding weight can be uncomfortable for anybody to talk about because of diet culture and all these awful messages that we, especially yeah. those of us who've been socialized as women have just been bombarded with our entire life. Yeah. And so that discomfort with having the conversation can sometimes mean that the conversation isn't had and we think that like, oh, if I just don't say anything, then I'm not going to hurt anybody. But I think, I don't know if you agree. I think that sometimes that can, that can backfire. Yeah, it can cause more harm than good. And also people are taking in information from so many different places. Like we know that limiting weight gain for people with a higher BMI during pregnancy statistically shows us better outcomes. So then people are being told either by their care providers, don't gain any weight, bye, have a nice day. And they're like, wait, <laughs> what? Like, that makes no sense. Or weight isn't even discussed. So there yeah. needs to be a middle ground of how do we have these conversations that are evidence-based in a compassionate manner that's yes. not triggering because we know just by focusing on nutrition and physical activity, we can help to reduce our all of our increased risk during pregnancy. So yeah. how do we have those uh, conversations 
in a compassionate manner that isn't like because of your size. No, you're going to be having these conversations with people of any size. But, but because you exist in a larger body, we're just going to pay a little more close attention to weight gain, you know, and just having those yeah. conversations and like, we both want healthy outcomes and, you know, uh, how are you feeling about nutrition and never making judgments. I hear like from people who say, doctors say, oh, you have to cut out your Pepsi habit. And they're like, I don't even drink soda. And the minute <sighs> those assumptions are made, the brick wall goes up, right? 100%. And so then, yeah. How do we move forward from that? So not making assumptions, meeting people where they're at, talking about things with compassion. You know, yeah. you're right with that 15 minutes, how can we accomplish much, right? And I love OBs and I know there are plenty of size friendly OBs, but also when we look at the midwifery model of care, we are allowing more time, more individualized care, more women-centered care. And so that's why I continuously fight against um, just blanket BMI restrictions for people of size because I want people to have access to different models of care with whatever is their comfort level and what they want as well. Yeah, I think that I think that's really important. And, you know, it's interesting. There's so many risk factors in life for for all kinds of conditions, so many risk factors in pregnancy. And, you know, I often think about my my daughter has juvenile um, rheumatoid arthritis, she has a um, and, you know, depending on how her disease course goes, it's, she's going to have to share that with if she ever gets pregnant that, you know, I had, I had juvenile rheumatoid arthritis and they're going to have to do some additional testing for her. And so she, that's a risk factor that she may carry into pregnancy. Right. But nobody is going to be saying, acting like it's her fault. Right. Nobody's, she will, she will get compassionate care for that risk factor. Yeah. But because we have this idea that, that, um, you know, people who are in larger bodies that it's just, it's, it's their fault and they just have bad habits and they're just lazy and all these awful, awful messages. We just, you know, we're not, we're not thinking, we're not following the data as, as care providers because, because, you know, we are human beings too and we've absorbed all these messages since we were children. And then we're not, we're not checking it with, with the data. I mean, I'm sure you feel the same way. I know in our lifetime, I, I hope in our lifetime, we're going to understand so much more. Why can one person, why can two people eat the exact same thing? And one person is one size and another is another size. There is a reason for that. There is, yeah. you know, there is a reason. And we, once we understand the biology and the physiology of, of, of how different bodies hold on to weight, hold on to energy and don't, we're going to look back and be like these idiots these idiots who were just blaming people for something that was not within their own control. So I don't know, I'm going, but I would, <laughs> you got I would me fired say, up. I'm going on the yeah, tangent. But I would also say, you know, as someone who does a lot of work in the, the advocacy movement as well, even if someone, you know, is a certain size because of their, you know, lifestyle choices, they still deserve to have access yeah. to healthcare. They still deserve yeah. to be treated with compassion. Like this shouldn't, be a barrier. I think the conversation just needs to be like, how do we meet people where they're at and provide them with compassion? Because the reality is when someone aside feels shamed by their care provider, they're less yeah. likely to receive routine health care and more likely to gain weight. So we know that shame is not an effective tool whatsoever. And that needs to end. We have plenty of studies now, plenty of data to prove this. 
So I don't think the conversation necessarily needs to be like, well, why are people different sizes? But I appreciate you and I understand it. It just needs yeah. to be like, why are we still treating people like crap? Like, yeah. <laughs> that it's even more basic than done. that. Like, yeah. let's just stop that. Yeah. Because when help people to feel empowered, they are more likely to be more proactive with their health as opposed to not going to the doctor anymore. I hear yeah. so often from people who haven't had a pap smear since they gave birth and their kids now 10 because they are terrified to be shamed by their care provider. People of size are literally dying, dying because they feel like they don't have access to the medical community because of this trauma that is occurring. So I think we need to get straight to the point with a lot of these conversations of like, yes, there are frustrations. Yes, it can be harder to support people of size. We are in bigger bodies. There are more obstacles. There's somewhat different equipment necessary and needed. Yes, you have obstacles. We have obstacles. But every, every human is worthy and deserving of compassionate evidence-based healthcare. Pregnancy can be really hard. On top of all the physical stuff, there's the emotional impact of not feeling well and not feeling at home in your body for months on end. If you are having a tough time in pregnancy, you are not alone. I have so been there and I want to help you. Head over to thebestpregnancyclass.com to register for my free class, Four Ways to Make Your Pregnancy Easier and Healthier. This class is all about taking some of the stress and overwhelm off your plate. Head over to thebestpregnancyclass.com and pick a time to watch the class from the comfort of your own home. You deserve support, Mama. Yeah. You know what I love what you do, Jen, is you just like, you break it down so simply, you know, it's like you, like my brain is going to like the, like the data and, the evidence, and you're just like, Hey, can you just like, all we're asking is to just be treated like with kindness and compassion. Yeah. And I love, you, you know, you've, I really want to point out, you've already said this phrase, but I want to make sure everybody hears this transparent compassion you know like we, let's have the conversation but when it's a conversation can be a conversation without compassion can be really really traumatizing and can push someone away from getting the care that they deserve and that they need and yeah. if we just add in the kindness component I think that that goes a long way you had a post the other the other day talking about how people prefer to be talked about. Do you want someone to say that you're fat, plus size, larger body? Like, what is your preference? Yeah. And, you know, it's, I thought that was such an interesting conversation. I really encourage, um, you know, people to go look at that post. But um, I, you know, your suggestion of like, hey, you can just ask someone. Yeah. You can just ask. And, you know, if you have a provider who doesn't ask, you know, feeling like, hey, I can say, you know what, the term that I prefer that you use is this. Mm -hmm. And I think the reaction that your care provider has to those, those pieces of feedback can be very telling. If it's oh, yeah. a, if it's a negative or defensive reaction, I think that that's, that's definitely something to consider that maybe this isn't a good fit. I don't know if you have any other, oh, yeah, any no. other tips like that guide on how to connect with a size friendly care provider it's like well once you find someone then how do you know if they are size inclusive and it is like like we talked about the, the, does the blood are they using the correct blood pressure cuff size right so critically important 
and such an inexpensive fix. I mean, we're talking about an extra large cup, right? Yeah. You can get for $20 on Amazon. Not, not that that's where care providers buy them, but it is just so mind boggling to me that that isn't the standard. Are you provided with a gown that fully covers your body? Because if not, you are truly being stripped of your dignity. And, and I'm not even provided with a gown that fully I know, covers my body. But look at the power dynamic yeah. that's happening. So if yeah. you are not comfortable and fully covered, um, and then you're paying attention and trusting your gut, right? And yeah. I think our intuition tells us so much. But there's also, like, we know that, um, you know, you have the right to fire your care provider and get a second opinion at any point, yeah. at any time. But there's also so much privilege wrapped up in that. And not everyone has the ability so to do true. it. So we also know that by having a support person with you, it can help to shift how care providers talk to people of size. If there is another person in the room, which, I mean, just knowing that is heart-wrenching, but it's important to know. And during our current world's predicaments, even just having someone on, you know, FaceTime or whatever app you have on your phone, if they can't physically be present with you, um, other advocacy tools are like the brain acronyms really good. And that, um, I, I, I don't need to go through it all. I can send it, but it's like, when you're being asked like, hey, we want you to do something. You're like, I don't know how I feel about that. B is like, okay, well, what are the benefits of what you're asking of me? Um, you know, what are the risks? Are you listening to your intuition? What happens next? Or we do nothing. Like I have a whole article on different ways to advocate for yourself. Okay, cool. If you're stuck in a situation where you can't switch care providers, because it's so easy for me to say, oh my gosh, if they're clearly not size friendly, go get a new doctor. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, yeah, I did it when I was five months pregnant. I switched from an OB to a midwife. And at the age of 30, my midwife was the first care provider to touch my body with compassion. And I gave birth in a county hospital on my knees, supported by a midwife. And that experience changed my life forever. So I will always advocate for people whenever possible. If you and your gut are like, and my, my OB was fine, but they didn't help me to feel empowered or that my body was capable of having a healthy outcome. And so I switched and I'm glad that there was so much privilege involved with that. So I yeah. want to acknowledge that, but there are tips and tools and ways that you can advocate for yourself, regardless of your size. Um, when you're in a situation with a care provider where you don't feel comfortable and you don't feel supported. And I'm okay. really sorry for anyone that's been in that situation. And that we can find that on your website. Yeah, I'll put it uh, over on Plus Size Earth on my Instagram stories after cool. after we have this talk. But like, perfect. Yeah, different tips. Um, when the pandemic occurred, I realized so many people were going to appointments alone, yeah. and they were fearful of being fat shamed. So I wrote. I know. I might. I've been on the verge of tears this entire this oh. entire life because it truly, truly is heartbreaking. You know, my work started over a decade now, and it simply started because that midwife touched me with compassion because my midwife at the hospital where I gave birth, you know, provided me with so much dignity and support and met me where I was at. And it was just those simple things that not only provided me with this such empowering and transformative birth experience, but changed the whole course of my life and helped me to be a great advocate for so many people. So those 15 minutes, while they're only 15 and sometimes longer, like you have such the ability to undo so much wrong that has happened to plus size people for those yeah. care providers listening. And literally all we're asking is to be talked to nicely. Ugh. And to, and when we're touched to be touched with compassion, I think that's so important. Like how we look at someone when we touch them. I, I hear so often from people who have ultrasound visits where it's just, they're made to feel, you know, de dehumanized in those experiences. Yeah. 
And we know that, you know, when we, when we are plus size, you know, or, or we have a lot of babies. A lot of people have what's called an apron belly and yeah, that it yeah. can hang over. And then for ultrasounds or even for you as a care provider doing exams, sometimes we need to lift and move areas yeah. of our bodies that can make us feel really insecure. So yeah. I think it's important that we're having conversations with people. And I wanted to share some language around for any care providers listening on, like, how do we even talk to someone? Because it can be really like, oh, I really need to, to move this. So for first, for any plus size people listening, know that that might be a thing. And I know it's like, oh, we have an apron belly and it's something that we, we hold so much shame around so often. Yeah. And I want, I want you to let it go because I've got one. So many people have them. People of all sizes have them, right? And yes. so and I have a whole article on apron bellies and like how to take care of it without shame and tools and tips. But if you're having an ultrasound or exam, you can say, you can say first, hey, if you'd like me to lift my belly up, I'd be happy to do that. And that can help to alleviate so much anxiety on both ends. But if you're and not talk about an empowering position to be in, yeah. like not, yeah. not, you know, not having to wait for the like, the, are they going to say something? How, yeah. you know, like, oh. Yeah. And know that they're probably going to ask you, especially during an ultrasound or trying to find a fetal heartbeat to, to move to the left, to move to the right. And there's going to be a movement. I just involved, had my ultrasound right? the other day. I cannot tell you the awkward position I had to get in because kiddo was like not cooperating. And I was on my side, like trying to move my leg. Cause I'm also thinking like, I know what it's like to ultrasound. And I know that like, and so I'm like trying to move my leg back. I'm like, get, my husband was next to me. I'm like, you need to hold me up. Like, I can't hold this yeah, position. And thank you for so, normalizing, yeah, it, Dr. Sterling, that yeah. it's for people of all sizes. So, but how can care providers kind of navigate that? I, yes. um, I do a lot of public speaking. And so I reached out to some care providers. I was like, what is some language that I can offer up? And so let me just read this real quick. So cool. for a care provider who, who needs to get under an apron belly and how do we have that conversation? They can say, lots of moms have this extra bit here. And I have to get under it to really feel your baby. Is that okay? And let me know if I do anything that makes you feel uncomfortable and we will find a different way. So first of all, normalizing that lots of people yeah. have it. Secondly, asking permission, asking consent to touch someone's body and then letting them know that if you're not okay with this, we will find something else. And those three things were happened and I think that was one, two sentences. Yeah. And I feel better reading it and I'm not even having to lick my <laughs> belly right now, right? Like yeah. it's literally, you know, compassionate consent, these things that should be happening so often and instead they're not happening. So it's just this awkward dance. Let's, let's stop the awkward dance. Let's yeah. work together and let's have healthy outcomes for everyone. And, and to know that if you incur risk during your pregnancy, that people of all sizes do, and you shouldn't be made to feel blamed or ashamed. And you just really this, this stigmatizing around yeah. pregnancy and larger bodies. One other thing that I wanted to mention is really understanding the difference between absolute risk and relative risk. Because when yeah. we go online, we hear so often that, oh, if you exist in a larger body, you're, you know, five times more likely to develop gestational diabetes. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, oh, it sounds really bad, right? Yeah, it sounds really bad. And so often yeah. care providers, that's what they tell people in those, you know, short visits. And so you walk out and you're like, well, doom and gloom. Whereas yeah. when we really break down and we look at the statistics, yes, we are going to see increased risk, but they're so much smaller than we're led to believe. Like yeah. even gestational diabetes with a BMI of 40, 
we're looking at about 17%. But that's not a fixed number because with physical activity and nutrition, we can reduce that even more. Totally. So I like to flip the script and tell people, hey, you've got like over an 80% chance of not incurring gestational diabetes. Yeah. And here are all the things that we can do to help reduce your risk even further. So I'm walking out of that 15 minute appointment feeling empowered, like, hey, the totally. on my side and side and like, I've been struggling with dieting my whole life. Maybe I should connect with a, you know, health at every size nutritionist to help me re unpack all these messages about food that are yeah. so wrong, not helpful, have often people become the size they have trying to diet themselves only bigger, which statistically we know happens like over 90% of the time. So how about we take this opportunity during pregnancy to unlearn everything and really learn about nutrition in a yeah. beautiful way, while also not assuming that just because someone is plus size that they don't know anything about nutrition, because they likely know more than their care provider. I think so. I think so. I mean, I think that that's, that's, a really um, important point, you know, how, and I think that's a really good way to kind of assess, like, if you're, what your relationship, you know, the health of your relationship with your provider is, how are you feeling when you walk out of that appointment? Yes. It really, really matters. And I also, I think that, um, you know, especially for people who don't have the, the, the privilege to change providers, I think that really um, telling providers how they make you feel yeah. is totally, it, it is reasonable and it is okay to say, you know, um, if even in the moment, oftentimes you may not feel comfortable. It, you may just be like uncomfortable and kind totally. of shocked by what they said, but the next appointment or if you want to call or email and just say, hey, when, when you said that, it made me feel really bad and I left my appointment feeling like I didn't want to come back and that, you know, and I think the reality is, is that most of us, most people who go into medicine really do so because we care about people and we want to help people. However, when you go through becoming a physician is a very dehumanizing process. We are put through um, a lot. It's a very toxic culture and it changes us. And we, you know, you are in this hierarchical system where the, you are trying to be like the people who are ahead of you, but the people who are ahead of you may have some really toxic beliefs and traits. And so it's just, it's just human nature. A lot of times you will take on these beliefs and these, um, th this way of moving and interacting with people and with patients, not because you're even aware of it, but, but you're trying to be the good you know, the good medical student or the good resident and you just want. And so, but deep down, you know, that person who went into medicine to help people is still there. We're just, we've just been dehumanized and we're overworked and we have a lot of our own trauma, which nobody teaches us how to manage. Yeah. And so I just, I encourage people, if you feel comfortable, it can you can um, you can see a different side of your provider when you when you share with some vulnerability because yes. um, it, it really can open up that relationship. Yes, absolutely. And those I statements too, like I'm feeling yeah. instead of you make me feel. Yeah, and I just brought up that relative risk and actual risk because so much of the information we have in the world and in those short visits really yeah. makes us feel 
like we're ticking time bombs and how can we shift that so we don't feel that way and we feel empowered with our health throughout pregnancy and well beyond right we we all want health (laughs) it's something that is important to all of us and have access to health care that is compassionate and meeting one another where we're at and I love that you're talking about like having those conversations because Sometimes we all misspeak, right? We all say things we don't mean to say. And maybe that care provider didn't realize that what they said was actually really fat phobic and made you feel badly. So giving them another chance could be great. But also, you know, knowing that you have options and rights if you are being completely shamed and mistreated and, and that that can be really hard for someone to speak up and say, hey, you made me or I feel felt this way when you said this it can be really incredibly difficult. So having a support person with you can really help to make a difference. Yeah. And I think that, you know, there, you kind of have to, to, to pick, there are some people that, that, you know, you won't, if you don't feel safe being, being vulnerable at all, if this is a, there are people who, you know, are not going to respond appropriately. And I think that it's just, it's a tool. If you're like, you know, I otherwise, feel pretty comfortable, but this, this, you know, I think that that's a a tool that people can use. Another thing that I don't think people realize, and I've told all of my girlfriends about this too, you can bring your own, um, uh, bathrobe or apron to your appointments. Yes, 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 yeah, your own gown, and there are plus size gowns and all that good stuff, yeah, and I even did a, I did an Instagram reel recently on, like, how to give a urine sample when you're plus size. Cause I think it's messy for everyone, but especially. Oh, it know, is like, 100% messy for everyone. Like, you know, there are tools like a, you know, urine cast basin and a hat and like, there are things that you can do. And I think once you know them and once you feel more comfortable asking for certain things, like just that self advocacy takes time, but it's so critically important. And I, I like to remind people like, oh, I know you're searching for a pediatrician. You are searching for that best pediatrician in town. And you are asking 3,400 questions to make sure that they are the right care provider for your child. So how can you realize that you're just as worthy of that care provider for yourself, that you're doing the research, you're asking the questions, and you're advocating, and you sure wouldn't take or handle someone demeaning and shaming your child in front of you, right? So That's you need, to, a good you need point. to do the same thing for yourself because you set the example, right? Your kids see and are modeling their behavior after you and you are absolutely, truly worthy of compassionate, dignified healthcare and it's worth yeah. fighting for and it's worth advocating for, but I know it's incredibly difficult, but I also know how it can be life-changing to connect with size-friendly care providers. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that was just so mind blowing to me right now. And somebody, somebody shared the mind blown, <laughs> the emoji, you know, just thinking about it in the context of, would you let someone talk to your child that way? Yeah. You know? And uh, I think we've, we've normalized a lot of the, just the awful way that, you know, people in larger bodies are treated. And yeah. I think that, you know, your experience of like somebody just, treating you, you know, with that touch. And I, I, I have a similar story from a, from a midwife's, a midwife's touch. So I like, I, I like you know, know the touch, touch you're talking about. <laughs> it yeah. is life changing for sure. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I think that's a really good way to, to think about things because, you know, unfortunately, uh, 
a lot of this advocacy and a lot of this finding the right provider. It's just all of this additional work and stress that's put on people um, who have larger bodies. And, um, you know, it's, it's really, really unfortunate that we, we are, we exist in a world in which it's, it's necessary. But I think that you are such, I'm, you were just such an incredible resource. And I'm so happy that, that you, that you exist you. and that you have, that you have put up so much time and energy into these discussions and these resources. I'm so excited that I found you. So tell me, where can people find, find you know, more of your information? Where can they sure. get these resources? Sure, well, the most popular question I get is, where can we even find cute and affordable plus-size maternity clothes? So I started the plus-size first site because I was like, but yeah, where do we find, like I had struggles finding all this stuff for myself. So I literally built the resource that I was searching for when I was plus size and pregnant 11 plus years ago. So it's plussizebirth.com that covers everything from those cute maternity clothes to um, how do I find a size friendly care provider? How do I understand my risk? How do I advocate for myself? Um, and reading birth stories from people of size and seeing images. I think that's really important is to see pictures of people your size pregnant and I didn't take maternity photos because I didn't yeah. see that. And so yeah. that's a huge passion of mine and why you'll see it over on the plus size birth Instagram with so many beautiful and, and even selfies. Those are important too, right? But like encouraging people to have photos taken and to embrace their pregnancy. Um, so that's all plus size birth.com. And then I have the plus mommy podcast that I'm going to have Dr. Sterling on. So um, look forward to that. Uh, and then over on plus size birth.com, you can download, um, the my um, size friendly care provider guide for free on how to connect with a size friendly care provider okay, and it's perfect. got a lot of great tips not only for maternity but beyond as well so oh, and i'm that... here for you over on plus size birth or plus mommy mommy goes well beyond pregnancy but thank yeah, you so 100%. much for having me and oh, i honestly just really want to take a split second to thank you for how you've engaged in the conversations in my community and the work that you're doing to be size inclusive and how much it means to me and how it sets the example for your colleagues. We need more amazing care providers like you, Dr. Slurling. So thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Oh, thank you. I would just say to any providers who are listening, that's the key thing is listening. And I've learned so much, like just, if you're a care provider, just, you know, to follow you, you know, uh, and to read the comments on yeah. your posts, because it's really, it's so that's a part of the problem is that medicine doesn't listen and, and we need to listen. And that's, you know, you may have ideas about what you think is the right thing to do, but really listening to the pe to, to people explain is so, so important. So I just encourage any providers um, who interact with, you know, people at all <laughs> yeah. to just so read important. the comments and to read the posts and to just, to just educate um, themselves. Okay, thank you. Looking thank forward you so to chatting you with you soon on the podcast. Yes. So yes. yes, 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 yes. So that's coming up, y'all. All right, everybody have a beautiful day. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Becoming Moms. If you were looking for more support from me during your pregnancy journey, head over to sterlingparents.com to learn more about our membership. The Sterling Parents membership now comes with a private Instagram account where members can send me direct messages 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Pregnancy is hard. You deserve support. Head over to sterlingparents.com to get the best support available.
for your pregnancy.